it's easy to run for these positions. Okay? It's easy to run for president, SG. But the first qualification for you to be a leader, you need to be a likable person and an approachable person before any qualification. Yeah. Second one, you need to have a heart. A heart of humanity. There you receive good news. Within 10 minutes, you receive bad news. Mm -hmm. So you need to adjust accordingly. Empathy. Mm -hmm. Sympathize. Then you need to adjust yourself to any level. listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mlemoisisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a space that allows for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We unlock the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. He's joining us from South Africa. He's the president of the Zambian Association in South Africa. He's also the vice chairperson on the African Diaspora Forum. His name is Ferdinand Zmania. He was born and raised in my home country, Zambia. He grew up as a DJ. He played at Fairmount Nightclub, Valentino's Nightclub, and Oasis in Lusaka from 1990 to 1995 as a top DJ in Zambia. After graduating from Solusi Adventist University in 2002, he relocated to South Africa and joined the Nissan SA as a sales cadet. Since then, he has risen to be an award-winning fleet sales in Nissan brand. He's currently the Zambian Association in South Africa and the Zambia Diaspora Organization President. Welcome to Concrete Pastures. Welcome. Uh, thanks a lot to all the listeners and the viewers. I appreciate being here today. Thank you. You grew up a bit in Zambia. Wow, you were a DJ. Ooh. Yes, I was a DJ um, just when I finished my high school at Hillcrest. Um, I used to stay at Chandamali, if I don't know if, if you know, it, just behind Zaf Mess. And, um, you know, with a servant squatter, where it's a house in the front and a small house at the back. Yeah. And uh, and one of the, the tenants who were staying there was a DJ, uh, Richard Capeta, uh, called Richie Richie. <laughs> ah. Yes, so uh, those days when I was young, I used to escort him maybe Sunday afternoon, teen time show, sit beside him, look at what he does, you know, playing music for the people, people dancing. 
and uh, I just had some interest as well. And uh, it was so amazing. Um, one day, I don't know what Richard did. He was dismissed from work. And they had no DJ. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this young kid on the block just saw a driver from Fairmount Hotel. No, the boss wants you at Fairmount. There's no, there's no DJ, as you know, Richard. Has, so please, just come and just help for the night. So I just went in there. You know, those days it was records, eh? Oh. Spinning records. Yeah, there was no... Yeah, there were just records and tapes, you know? So there was a tape deck. There was some discs there, records. And since I was always accompanying him, um, I knew I knew the music. I knew what to get, where to get it. Mm. And boom, uh, Saturday night, I was playing music. And that time I was called Fedi, the rap kid. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, the name came about Rock Kid because what I used to do is I put an instrumental a record and I wrap it out the song until the end. So people started calling me Rock Kid, Rock Kid. Wow. Okay. Yes, yes. So from there, that's when um, um, Valentino's came to poach me and and uh, Anif Adams, uh, that the best club I think in Central and Eastern Africa, it was called Valentino's Nightclub. And um, also there, they just pushed me. They said, "No, we've heard about you. Please come and play for us at Valentino's in Lusaka, the, the, the capital city." So I went there, and boom! All of a sudden, um, I was playing alongside uh, Eddie Groove. Um, I came in when Marshall Pye died, um, Charlie Wyman, Eugene the Genius, uh, Dr. Rhythm. Yeah. So when I was playing music there, Dr. Rhythm told me one day that, no, Fed the Rap Kid is like you're a kid, now you're a grown-up. So from today onwards, you are no longer Fed the Rap Kid, you are Fed the S-K-Y-Y, Fed Sky. <laughs> wow. That's how I got the name as Fed Sky, yes. So that was my uh, part of the music. I was the best DJ in Zambia for a period of three years. Uh, the world celebrated DJ, yeah. Nice. I guess you played for me when I went to... Uh, I was not supposed to be there, but I went to Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oasis, yeah. Because uh, um, when I was at Valentino's, um, Anif Adams opened the, the Oasis. For you to play at the, at the Oasis, you needed to be like... You know the gem, you know the best. Yeah. You know? And that's it. I played at the Oasis and um yeah, so I was one of the best DJs there. Yeah. Nice. That, I mean Oasis was the place to be. I it was exciting. It was exciting. I think I went how uh, was it two thousand one? Yeah. Maybe not even two thousand one. I did maybe earlier than that. But I was young. I don't even know how. I, I went with my uncle. I remember. I went with my uncle, and he's the one who got me in. How did you end up in um, in Zimbabwe? All right. Um, it was a Sunday morning um, when I came from the club, tired, and uh, my mother uh, came in a non-negotiating manner. She just came to me and said, Ferdinand, today, if you want to fight your mother, you're going to fight her. 
you've done well at high school and this is not the career path you want to take, you can take it as just a, a, a by the way thing on the side. But the marks you got from high school are very good and I've already organized the school for you. I've already signed forms for you. Now you pack and we go. Wow. Cut her in the eyes and said, now this is it. I can't argue. And I know how she was. And I just said, okay. All I did was to leave all my things, got a bag, clothes in, got a bus to Livingstone from Osaka. Then uh, in Livingstone, when we reached there, she said, you know, we're not even staying at home. The train from Victoria Falls to Bulawayo leaves at six. So we need to go to Zimbabwe to Victoria Falls. We crossed over. So that's what we did, crossed over. And that train was the overnight train. It started off at six, arriving in Bulawayo at six. From there, we, we got on a taxi all the way near Plum Tree in Bulawayo, uh, Solus University. And you know, Solus University is the Adventist University. <laughs> I'm going there. I'm going there. Yeah, so now Your it's... Your mom is um, Adventist? It, yes, it is, and I am. I am as well. So it was something like from being a most celebrated DJ to a Adventist University and when I reached there, all the forms were signed by my my young brother, is the one who signed all my forms. All I had to do was just to choose the course I wanted. Then accommodation, I don't know how my mother did it. She talked to some pastors there. And guess what? My roommate was a pastor from Azabuka. So it was one of those things where it's just like a change of a coin, you know, from head to tail, you know, something different. And um, I remember it was on a, on a Monday when we reached there, we registered, everything done. Mom stayed for two days. She left and left me in the hands of the same pastor I was with in the room as my roommate. I remember I went there with a tip a tape player, you know, a small radio tape player with a lot of tapes because I said at least I should be listening to music. So Friday after Vespers, prayers and everything, I said, ah, no, let me relax and just play some music just to remind me. So when I just put a tape player, started playing, a pastor came, no, 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 Faith, you know, this is secular music, you know, we don't play secular music on a Friday, so you have to wait from Friday 6 p.m., you will play on Saturday, 6 p.m. when we close with the Vespers. So for now, we don't play. You know, it was something, wow. something just changed. Yes. Yeah, but I thank God uh, because, um, you know, being a DJ, you are well celebrated. You think you are comfortable, but there's no insurance in it. You just leave the time. Yeah. And uh, after yeah. that time, when you grow old, the new generation comes in, they kick you out, but then you're out of business, you know? So I just, I thank God for my mother and my dad who intervened in my life and uh, 
yeah, they made sure that uh, I had to go. So I'm going to jump ahead um, and ask you, relating to boarding school, I went to boarding school, Seventh-day Adventist as well. What did you learn through that process? And uh, that has contributed to who you are today. Taught me to be, to change my mindset, mm. you know, to come out from your comfort zone, where you are comfortable, but it, but that comfort is just temporary. A comfort, uh, yeah, to to self-sustaining, to work hard, to achieve, you know, to to be self-reliant and um, and work hard towards your goal, you know, you know, being a DJ a classroom and getting credits and distinctions for your work it's something which you need to shift your mindset very quickly mm-hmm. and uh, and adapt and continue with it you know it's something that you need to accept within yourself to say that i think i've moved on now from being celebrated in this way to working hard in quietness and making sure that you achieve your goals and uh, that really taught me um, some lessons that uh, in life, um, uh, down one day and reflect with yourself and say, is this path I'm taking a very good path? And look ahead 20 years from now. Then if you've got doubts in that, you need to shift and say, okay, what can I do now to make sure that in 20 years time, I can retire or I can sit back and relax and say, I've worked hard. So that's the big lesson at it. What got you to going to South Africa? You're joining us from SA, my dream home country. <laughs> uh, in 1995, I went first year, second 1996. Then 1997, I dropped out of school because of school fees. I had some financial uh, constraints there. And um, I went back to Livingston. I went to Fairmont Hotel. Um, uh, the sole proprietor there, the owner, the director, Mr. Preglin Naidu, uh, put me in. And then he even put me as an assistant to the directors. So I was doing a lot of work there. So he told me one day, he said, uh, Fernand, I know you've come back from school because of school fees. What I'll do is I'm going to pay you allowances only. And that time it was some service charge, you know, service charge you you get paid. Then he said, on the salary itself, I will not give you. I'll be keeping it. You'll be signing for it, but I'll be keeping it in the cell for you. Until after one year, when you go to school, that's when I'm going to give you back. So he even kept me at the hotel. He gave me a place where to stay, and I worked there, you know. I, I thank God for him. Uh, he really uh, made my life so easy. So uh, that's when, uh, after two years of not going to school, I went back to school. He still put me on the salary uh, grade for the rest of my two years, which remained at school. And he gave me all the money, and obviously... The person who was assisting me to pay all the school fees at that time was my elder sister. But obviously, yeah, 
she had a few of some hiccups along the way, but eventually she picked it up. So it's my sister who schooled me up to to the end of the. When I graduated, I, I went to to Zambia. Um, I worked for Zambia Revenue Authority. Yeah, as a temporary employee, you know. Something happened at the airport. Uh, all the people were fired there, so they got some graduates to just work there for for six months. So when we were in the fifth month, we uh, were asked to apply for the jobs. So when we applied, we were, we were told, "No, you are overqualified." Then we said, "No, but we still want to work." Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can give us no, no, no. The constitution says. Once you are a graduate with a degree, you cannot have this job unless you have this position, but we can't give you this position, it's full. So we are laid out. So that's when my sister said, okay, I come to South Africa. So I went to Deben where she was. Imagine I just stayed with her just for two months and she went to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so after two months, I just came to Johannesburg joined my cousin Ishmael and um, I stayed with him. First application which I put in um, and they didn't even advertise what job, what they just said, looking for sales executive. So I applied, got it, went for interviews, passed, got, went for tests, passed the tests and yeah, here I am. Um, I joined in as a Nissan cadet. And you know, a Nissan cadet means you are a skivvy for everyone. Yeah. If a person wants to photocopy papers, they send you all, oh, go photocopy there. If you want the file to be done properly, you know, do my file. If you want to go put fuel in a delivery, oh, I've got this new car, please go. For, you know, you know, like running up and down yes. for three months. Yes. Wow. But I had to do it because I knew what I wanted until... Uh, the manager of that time, Amanda Law, saw my potential and said, no, from today onwards, like after a month and a half, he said, no, no, said, no, I want you to start selling on your own. I can see the potential. I can see your dedication. So from today onwards, even called for a meeting that stopped sending this guy. He now works for Nissan. Mm. That's how I did it to now. Nice. And by the way, it's now exactly next week. Um, it's going to be 18 years. Wow! Congratulations. Um, thank you. What thank do you me. do now for Nissan? I'm a fleet uh, sales manager. I sell fleet uh, vehicles. You, you know, fleet the bulk of of vehicles to mm. different departments. So I've got my own fleet, which I manage. You know, and um, for 12 years running, I've been uh, a top salesperson uh, for Nissan. I just got my award three weeks ago. Congratulations. And, um, yes. yes, yes. So for 12, I don't know if you can see all these uh, certificates at the back. Now, I'm proud to say that I'm a Zambian who is an award-winning uh, sales executive for Nissan brand hey. in, in South Africa, yes. Amazing. That's amazing. Um, so I want to get into your um, 
you are the president of our diaspora community from SA to the whole diaspora community, right? Yes. When did you become the president? I'm the president of Zasa in uh, 2017. Um, prior to that, there was a president uh, called Edwin Mununga. Me, I was the deputy. So Edwin left. Um, he had some things he had to do in Zambia, so he left. So uh, me being the deputy, I I became the acting uh, from uh, 2015. So at the elections in 2017, that's when I became the actual president of the Zambia Association in South Africa. How did you get affiliated with the Zambian associations in South Africa? Okay, we, me and my cousin Ishmael, uh, we, are in, uh, we are running a football team. It was called Ocean's Football Club. And Ocean's Football Club, it was for the youth. We were developing the youths around the strand of Johans Bay. But that Ocean's Football Club was well organized and well run more than the association itself. So, yeah, so, yeah, there was a time when, time for independence. So as Oceans, we organized our own independence with the football tournaments and everything. And the association also organized their own independence. But people came to the Oceans one. (laughs) Oceans one. So Edwin, the president of, of the time, uh, approached me and said, no, Finland, why can't I wait with you? You know, uh, uh, We are one Zambia, one nation here, and we need to work together. So please, just wait with me. Uh, there will be elections next week. Uh, please come. I want you to be a trustee. You know? Um, uh, come and join us. So I went there. Me and Ishmael as a trustee, uh, to stand as a trustee. Now there was, she's um, AGM. So the treasurer is busy giving numbers, the financial statements. Then he, the president says, "No, no, those uh, things are wrong." <laughs> so now there was a wrangle between him and the treasurer, and the treasurer was supposed to be the vice. So when they were fighting there. It, at the AGM, then Edwin came and whispered, I think you should be the vice. All of a sudden, it was, it was just like a game changer. Uh, uh, then they started nominations. I was nominated as the as the vice. I stood upon a friend of mine from Zambia also, uh, from Livingstone. Um, and then I won as the vice. Then after a year, Edwin left. So I was acting uh, for two years, you know. That's how I became. Two years? Wow. Two years acting, yeah. Because. uh, (laughs) Yes, yes. Wow. And how do people vote for you for a president for the association? How do do people get to do that? What happens is um, we always have an AGM 
how, because of that COVID era, we had to postpone the elections. We didn't have them. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, the first one, which I won as president, I was nominated, but there was no one who stood against me. I was the only nominee for the president. Yeah, yeah the only... Yes, the only contestants which who, who were there were from Vice, SG, Treasurer, yes. There are people who were at, um, uh, voting. But as president, I was the only one that was nominated. And obviously, because when I was acting president, mm. uh, people saw also what I did. I did uh, some amazing work, which I think I'll share with you. Um, so obviously, when I was nominated, no one stood against me yes yes um no i mean acting for two years that's a long time even for um in my line of work i mean i work for, in banking when the manager yes. leaves and you are the assistant acting is only like maybe two three months and that's it two years you deserve to have the seat <laughs> yes 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 yeah yes yes to yeah. have the seat do you mind sharing how, I mean, you've shared what, um, you how you found the place, how you found the association. Um, do you mind sharing what you are doing for our community as to um, what's happening with the organization itself? Because I only found out honestly about the organization um, through a friend. Right, okay. First, I'll start with the Zambia Association in South Africa. Um, yeah, when I became president, uh, people that uh, stayed in separate houses, people just met, only met when there was a funeral or a birthday. Mm. Uh, but there was nothing that kept kept holding us together as one. Um, the first mandate which I told everyone was that I needed, as a team, we needed to come up with a database all, all over the country in form branches. As a team, we needed to come up with a welfare fund that is a fund that is always available to look after the well-being of Zambians. Okay? So, um, the first thing we did was to go around forming branches. So, example, in in Kauteng, which is Johannesburg, Pretoria, yes, yes, we've got 13 branches. Mm -hmm. Then each and every branch has got its own structure from the chairman to a trustee. So, each and every branch that was formed, I made sure that I was part of it. I went there with my colleagues, with the national executive as a team we were there to form that branch. So I know who the chairman is anywhere. I know who the vice, the treasurer is because I myself with my team, the national executive, went there to form the branches. And I'm happy to announce that we've got 35 branches countrywide, which are well-structured, that are running and sustaining. Being an immigrant can be hard. 
Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy, which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. The Zambia Association in South Africa is a well is a well-organized association across the world because I see and I sit on the diaspora. I see the associations across the world. I see what they do. But I think I can give you to to the Zambia Association in South Africa to be a very well-organized association. What do you say that is the the most... um organized is it because of your leadership or you just have uh, great leaders in each of those branches the 35 now uh, branches what are you guys doing differently than what everybody else is doing around the world for example if there's a death okay um in some countries yeah the first thing you see is the GoFundMe. okay okay I was yes. going to actually ask you about the fund. Yes. Yeah. It's a GoFundMe you see. Even even yesterday, I received a GoFundMe for a person who died in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yes. You see, um, for Zasa, you will never find a GoFundMe. Because if a person dies in South Africa under the association, money is released to repatriate the body back home or to bury here in South Africa. If the bill is more than what the payout is for the association, the branch itself where that person was living, they put money together and make sure that the money is reached and the body is repatriated. You see, so um, if there's any communication, you know, like today, if you tell me, Fernand, I want this thing announced now. Within five minutes, the whole South Africa will have the information. You see, because all the branches have got chats, have got WhatsApp chats, all the branches on my phone. All the branches, all 35 branches are here on my phone. So if I look, I know what's happening in Deben, I know what's happening in Mafikeng, in Nelspreet, in Cape Town. So if you send me information, if government gives me information to share, if I share to all the chairmen, because there's a chairman's group, Mm-hmm. If I share on, on all the chairman's group or on all the branches, information will go there and there. So that's what, organization, yeah. How did you guys come up with the fund or, uh, with with the fund that contributes? Because that's a really uh, good way to um, 
to help our community. Because yes, here I had a conversation with Ms. Tamsanjay on death and how we prepare for death and uh, the importance of having a life insurance because that's the part that we are working on in order to not have this go fund. How did you guys come up with this um, funding account and how did people contribute or is this just from the organization itself? Oh. Okay. Uh, first, maybe let me just simplify it. For you to be a member of ZASA, you, you pay membership. Oh, okay. okay. So membership, it's 350 runs for a family, a husband, a wife, and three children under the age of 21. And that 350 runs is per year. Okay? For a family. If you are single, you pay you pay 150 runs per year. Okay. That money is just solely for administrative purposes of the association, for the association to run, for the association to sustain itself. That's the money that is being used. Okay? Then now we go to the welfare fund for any eventualities. Deaths, sicknesses, repatriations, people that are held in Lindela and need to go back home, uh, people that have been sick in hospitals, we need a bit of some finances. It's being tapped from the welfare fund. So the welfare fund is a separate fund which a family of a husband, a wife, and three children under the age of 21, they pay 720 rands per year. Okay? If you are single, you pay 360 per year. So once you pay that, you relax. You are a fully paid up member and you are paid up with welfare. So people pay that. If there's a death, Usually, to repatriate the body from Zambia, I mean, from South Africa to Zambia, it's in the range of 20,000 rands on average. Okay, depending on the casket you get and all that. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, the association gives an amount of 8,000 rands to the family. Family, friends, the church, the branch, is contribute the balance to pay off for the you know for the preparation. That's the reason why in South Africa you never find a go find me because we are ready for some eventualities that come. Got it. Yes. Um have you shared some of this uh information with the communities around the world that you sit on? Because you sit on the board. Well yes, I've done that. Um, especially people from the UK, Zambia Together UK, from France, even the High Commissioner called me from France to mm -hmm. ask me how Zaska has done it. Australia, they called me and they called my colleagues. Uh, yes, yeah, we share this information. And where I sit as the president for the Zambia Diaspora Organization, I, I usually share what... Zasa has done so that people read. It's not like we are bragging. Some people take it personal, like, hey, these guys, you know. But I try to share the information so that you see, because I, if I find the go find me, go find me, go find me, you know, at, at the end, people get tired. 
you know you know so as as different associations across the world they have to learn from us mm-hmm. to say that how has you know zasa done it you know what why there's no go fund me it's africa because we've got a ready fund that is always available for any event and that fund has never failed to pay for any eventualities no that's amazing that's why i'm asking this question because if it's working in sa why shouldn't it work here in america or yes. australia or the uk and there's always something happening and you are so right people get tired it's not even getting tired i should say uh everybody is going through something maybe the the time when the go fund comes people are not able to contribute as much as yes. they, were, they would love to because you know given what has happened in the world people are still catching up um with their finances and everything else um what are some of the challenges uh some of our immigrant community in South Africa facing right now that you guys are able to help is the question for Zambians or just as a general the immigrants uh, the general as the immigrants more especially our Zambians first thing that comes straight to my head is acquiring legal documents to stay here uh the South African government is now squeezing uh, doesn't want to renew for Zambians and this is becoming a huge huge problem because um if a person has got a permit for five years then after five years they want to renew then they go and apply but no approval comes eventually they become illegal because they are still in the country the African government is not issuing and they become illegal not by by default but by by the government of South Africa what they are trying to do Mm. to fight South Africa does not want immigrants now it's simplified uh, because when you hear politicians on the stages when they are campaigning for their parties talk about we don't have jobs here anymore because there are a lot of immigrants that are getting your jobs mm. you see so that is sowing a seed of hatred to to the immigrants that is uh sowing a seed of xenophobia to the immigrants and the thing that is frustrating more is that the black immigrants in South Africa are the ones that are even uh are being uh, um uh tormented it's black against black you know so yeah it becomes a problem because sometimes the joke is even there uh, where they say okay, a truck driver is busy um demonstrating that uh, there are no jobs for doctors <laughs> you see what i mean there's there's no correlation between a job for a doctor and a driver but you see a driver running up and down and saying oh they there's no job so I mean, instead of for, for the doctor himself who's qualified is 
demonstrating that I can't get a job because there is an immigrant doctor in this hospital. You see, so that situation is really um, tormenting us. What are you guys, um, I guess, the Zambian Association for the Zambians, now going back to the Zambians, are we doing anything to help them in terms of, uh, first of all, acquiring the documents that are required to, to stay and also helping with the job placement? Some reasons why people join the association is because uh, it's for social cohesion that people should always meet and enjoy themselves. Yes. Sharing job opportunities and business opportunities. So within our communities, community in ourselves, we share job opportunities. Yeah. If there's a director in the company who is a Zambian and there's, there is a job within that company, we always ask those em employers, employers to consider Zambians first. So they would send that job opportunity to the Zambian community. We share it among us ourselves. If a person qualifies on credit, then they get the job. Got it. Business opportunities, like for now. Someone came today yeah, to my office and said, government has opened the minimum import. Mm -hmm. So through your circles, please push. Let's form a consortium. Let's buy the minimum. Let's supply. You see, so that one is a job opportunity. So today I called few people, few people, few people. We have formed a consortium already to buy 10 loads of 32 tons of trucks to take some minimum to Zambia. So we should have the business opportunities. Mm -hmm. Then we have gone further to engage also some lawyers that when a person qualifies for a certain job and they're not being given some permits through the association, we recommend them to the lawyers who can apply apply legally for them. Also, we have also engaged uh, some immigration consultants that are working closely with the association to make sure that the permits are being given. Got it. Wow. So I asked this question to you because I have, um, through Concrete Pastures, we've been able to, when we first started, everybody was asking what type of services we're offering, especially the Zambian community and the whole of Africa, uh, for a lot of people that do listen to the podcast. And um, they were asking what type of services we provide. So privately, I was uh, testing it out with different people uh, that were coming that I knew to the country and uh, helping them integrate in the U.S. here in New York. So uh, most recently, a lot of people from South Africa have been, because of what's happening, the violence that they're experiencing and they're watching on TV and stuff like that. That's why I asked this question, because we're not keen into getting, you know, offering these services to everybody because they just want to leave the country. I want to make sure that we understand exactly what's happening in South Africa in order for me to be 100% helping them. Because I didn't understand because I don't watch South African TV. And even though when it's posted online, it's not everything unless you are like on the ground and someone actually knows. 
So thank you for um, giving all those, those details. Yes, please. Um, you guys are also experiencing a lot of load shading. Could you shed some light on that, on exactly what's happening and how it's affecting some of our immigrant community businesses? Because a lot of, like you are starting a business with your with the community and there's already existing businesses for a lot of immigrants. How is that affecting our community? Uh, load shading is affecting everyone. Yeah, because it doesn't choose whether you're a foreigner or you're a South African. Yeah. It's very bad in South Africa. goes to level six. You know, sometimes in 24 hours, the power will go off two hours. Okay? Sometimes four times two hours. Okay. And um, it's affecting a lot of businesses. The productivity of, of some businesses is going down. It means to sustain a business, you cannot employ as much as you can. Mm. Uh, because the productivity and the returns have become lesser and lesser while you're still keeping the workforce. So that means you need to lay off some workers and keep the few which the productivity can try and pay them. So a lot of businesses are being closed. There's high crime levels now because even the criminals know that between this time and this time in Edenville, there'll be no power. So that's the time we need to go and pounce. Oh, this is scheduled. Yes, it's, it, yes, yeah. You can just go to your app, to, to your ESCOM app and the area where you stay, it will tell you Monday, 6 p.m., to 8 p.m. From midnight to zero two. You see, so the crime levels are, be, are coming high because they know it's a blackout. When it's a load shedding, is load shedding, you know, blackout. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, unless you've got generators or solar, solar system, yes. Yeah. You see, so it's high level of crime. Businesses are laying off workers. Small businesses are closing. Obvious people become desperate. They can't sustain themselves and they resort to illegal stuff. Mm. What are we Across doing? Board. Wow. What are we doing to protect our immigrant uh, community from the violence that's happening? Uh, maybe I can also say that um, I'm also uh, the vice chairperson for the Zambia, uh, for the Africa diaspora. I think this one I didn't mention to you, but I'm the I'm the vice chairperson there for the Africa Diaspora Forum. This is a huge organization of all African immigrants that live in South Africa. Okay. Um, yes. So we fight xenophobia. Um, I remember sometime last year, we were called by the chiefs. In different provinces, we had a meeting in central Johannesburg. And we called the chiefs to say that uh, we are your brothers and sisters. So how do we integrate the immigrants into your communities? And it was a very good topic. And it was, it was one of the 
the meetings when I came out, I felt so relieved because the chiefs themselves said, the first thing we need to do is social cohesion. You guys should form football teams, should form netball teams, volleyball teams to come and play in Tembisa. You play against Tembisa, people in Tembisa, in Alexander, in uh, Soweto. Play with, with them, have a drink with them. Uh, try to learn their language. Don't just speak English every time. You know, language barrier, you know? So try to mix with them. We'll be there ourselves with our subordinates to we'll talk to the people so that people know that it's not what you think. Okay? Uh, even said, in some communities, fuse in, in their structures. You know, like... Uh, is a structure in this community where there's a chairperson, what, what? Put two foreigners there. First thing, if there is a crime, no, it's people from Zimbabwe. No, no, it's people from Mozambique. You see, they forget to even mention their, what, their own. So we try to make sure a, a, a people from Zimbabwe are part of the structures. A people from Mozambique are part of the So if there's a crime, we say that, no, 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 we are all here as foreigners, and, and you as a host people. So who did the crime? Let's see if let's get proper. Don't go and kill this one, hit this one, hit the pang. So we try by all means to sit and make sure we integrate with them. So it's through the Africa Diaspora Forum, which, by the way, we report to the African Union every four months. Oh, wow. Yes. So if something happens to an immigrant, God forbid, what uh, what do you, what is done to to help them? But uh, from the Africa Diaspora Forum, there is there are funds that are always there as well. Uh, because what happens is, uh, I, I know uh, the Africa Diaspora Forum has got a lot of nationals who run businesses. Uh, big entities um, they pledge money and they donate so uh, for us as the Africa Diaspora Forum we it's easy for us to take care of um, oh, oh, yes, yeah, of the immigrants around it is Africa because the funds are always available there got it okay How long do you have um, for you to still be the president of uh, the Zambian Association? But now, uh, next month, um, I think the 13th of, of May, uh, there will be elections. Okay. Yeah, there will be elections uh, who... Uh, which will decide who will be the president for the Zambia Association in South Africa. And yeah, we started with the branches. So the branches even now are going through elections uh, because we said now um, there's no COVID, there's nothing. So let all the branches countrywide go through elections, which they are busy with now. Then in the second week of May, uh, there will be some elections to choose the new president and the whole executive. How long have you been the president so far? From 2017 until now. 
Um, so it was a three-year uh, term. So it was up to 2020. Mm-hmm. But but the 2020, we had to to say that obviously yeah, we can't hold elections and things were not okay, uh, COVID and everything. So we said, yeah. no, let's just uh, play it by the ear. But now we can see things are coming to normality. Branches are now coming up because people even stopped paying membership because of hardships and everything else like that. But I can see now things are coming normal. So we said, okay, now let's hold the elections uh, because we can't just overstay. You know, we need to vote. Yes. Got it. Um, so you as a leader uh, for all of this time, what are you proud of? At least uh, from the achievements, I think we have formed an association in South Africa that has never before been. We have together as a community, we we look the welfare of each other, we make sure we are there for each other, uh, sicknesses, debts, job opportunities, just by the kick of the button that this has, has happened. And by the way, it's hard work. Eh? It's not so simple uh, for you to drive from here to Nelspread, have a meeting, form a branch, the old elections. When you are in East London, they form a branch, hold elections, which us as an executive, we did. Uh, for me, it's I'm so proud that where the association is now, from where it came from, it's a well, well-organized machine that is grinding results. So for that, I'm proud. No, it sounds also, like a, a well-oiled machine running. <laughs> but also, I think I should also mention that um, uh, uh, we've got a Zambia diaspora organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, a diaspora organization was born from the Zambia diaspora policy document that uh, came about in 2019. The policy document said that uh, also recognizes Zambians in the diaspora as key partners in the national development of Zambia. That time we are so disintegrated, we are all over. But the Zambia diaspora organization came in as a unified voice that was going to coordinate with government on the aspirations of all Zambians in the diaspora. So that's the reason why the Zambia diaspora organization was formed because of the Zambia diaspora policy. Um, Things that we are engaging government. Yeah, number one, investments and trade in Zambia. Zambia, trading in Zambia because, 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 because wherever we are, we are some agents of Zambia. Whether it's a collective or as an individual, we are still agents. We need to sell Zambia. Sell Zambia with the products and services that are done in Zambia and also sell the products and services for Zambia in our country. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oh, 
perimeters. 2022, for your information, the Bank of Zambia came out with 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 all the results. 2022, total uh, total remittances to Zambia was 4.1 billion kwacha. That was the total remittance of of the money that was transferred to Zambia. 4.1 billion is 700,000 kwacha more than the CDF budget of the country. Okay? It is 800,000 kwacha less than the budget for the infrastructure development of Zambia. So that itself, just on the remittances, if government takes advantage of it and stops these international organizations, money transfer organizations, to take up that uh, uh, um, business, if the government itself, through through the local banks in Zambia, say that, okay, instead of all these international organizations, which I can't mention names, do with Zanako, do with APSA Zambia, do with FNB, all that small percentages, instead of giving these international organizations from Nigeria, from what, 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 the government can put it a deliberate policy, a policy that can make us transfer money from wherever we are through our local banks and let the local, the local banks with the stake of government take a percentage out of it. And that's part of national development already. I mean, it's just um, is everybody willing to participate? That's the part. Because no, we are engaging government. <clears throat> no, we are engaging government. Um, I personally, I wrote a letter to the president of the of the Republic of Zambia. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, yeah, His Excellency Mr. Hagende Ijelema. I I wrote a, a, a full powered letter, which. Based on the diaspora policy and what the achieved and what our goals are, and I also gave him possible solutions to those things. You see, because it's one thing to take a problem, yeah, but you have a possible solution to it. So you take a problem and also give a possible solution to that problem. For example. Diaspora policy says Zambians in the diaspora should undertake in the political uh, environment in Zambia. So, we, the people in the diaspora, we need to vote wherever we are so that we can take part in the political environment in Zambia, so that we can be part of the decision making because we are entitled. to vote. So we ask the president, people in the diaspora in the 2026 elections want to vote wherever they are. If other countries like Angola can do it, okay, okay. Because we are fighting under the chapter of the Zambia diaspora policy document, which says to empower 
all Zambians in the diaspora to take part in the political environment in Zambia, i.e. voting. Why should it take uh, more than 60 days to get a passport? 60, that's, that's yes. 60 days is not even much. It takes like, I tried to yeah. get my... Um, South Africa is 60 days because we are near, but you guys there, I think it's six months. Oh, forget it. You, you just give up. Here, yes. I, to be honest with you, I just give up. I, you could do a dual citizenship here too. It's been a year I haven't gotten my dual citizenship. But now, the Zambia does for a policy document says easy access to national documents so so yeah we are going with that weapon to say that the diaspora policy document says easy access to national documents mm -hmm. first of all yeah, we want when a child is born in, in south africa in america the birth certificate for zambia because first they are zambians before they become americans but that is not being done. If, you, if your NRIC is lost today, you have to fly from America to, to Zambia to get an NRIC. Now you are spending 15,000 in runs, I don't know, pounds there or dollars. to just go and apply for, for, for an NRIC. Mm -hmm. If your driver's license expires now, there where you are. You need to travel to Zambia. Now, you can't even drive because it's expired. You need to fly. Okay? So, why can't we access those national documents at the embassies? So, this needs to be decentralized, give enough finance, expertise, and all the people so that we can access national documents where we are. So this is our fight. Well, that's a good fight. I, um, <laughs> I, mean, I, I hope we get a response when it comes to that. That if you it gets uploaded to you guys, we also get it here in America and all over the world where we we are all in. And what are you guys working on in terms of the African diaspora? What are you working on that you want all of us in the diaspora as immigrants to know? Uh, for us, I think it's so different. Um, it's unique to South Africa. Um, for us, we want that to know that when some immigrants come to South Africa, mm. first and foremost, they access basic human rights things. Accommodation. Example, these days when you come to South Africa, if, you, if you're a foreigner, and example, God forbid you've, you've been in an accident. You go to the hospital, they will take you there. The hospital will want a deposit of 25,000 rands to start attending to you. Yeah, so you run around, sign sureties, you know. But that's against the international human rights because everyone every person wherever they are even south africans in england if anything happens to them whether they are legal or illegal 
through the international human rights, they should access those facilities. That's how it works here. Here, they, you you could go, you could arrive today, you get sick, you go to the doctor, and they will see. They have to see you. You go to the emergency room, they have to see you. It's a mask. For example, yeah, there was a, a truck driver, a lady from Zambia, mm. who was involved in an, a, a truck accident. Time for her to to take up medication and everything else operations. Just at the reception there, they requested for 25,000 runs. On that day, we had to put money together on that very day to make sure that this, this lady had to go into an operating theater for her to be attended to in simple ones back then. Wow. You, you see, so those are the things which we need to fight. It's because South Africa tends to forget their history. Uh, South Africa tends to forget where they've come from. During the struggle, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, I'll just say the frontline states fought a, a lot for South Africa, even bringing them to our countries, teaching them, giving them passports to go overseas to learn there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, in exile. I know it's not like okay payback, but just but just humanity itself should just dictate that you know what let's give back to the people who helped us. You know what you can't find a person who is badly injured goes to the reception of the hospital and they ask you uh, before she goes into the theater please pay this money. So if yeah, you don't have good. anybody, that's it. You you. They don't treat you at all. Nobody touches you. Okay, uh, I don't know. They haven't followed up up to the end of it, but but it's the first question which they'll have asked you. Wow. Please pay a deposit. And you can see the way the money comes out because they're saying this person is in pain, is on the death bed. Yeah. Because what we do, like, example, that lady. You know, we have to run up and down. Even phoning a company where she was working and the company told us, no, 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 we don't have money now. We'll have money after a week. So, yeah, we had to make sure we put money together. Uh, eventually, yeah, we had to get the money back in after all the treatment was done. Yeah. No, that's terrible. I mean, kudos to you guys that, you know, you're looking out for the community, but still, that is a lot. I think they should for sure be treating people as humans. I get it. Um, they don't want everybody just to come because, I mean, they do have, from what I hear, better hospitals around Africa. They just don't want people to be traveling from their countries and coming and using their facilities. So I, I understand that piece. But if someone is injured, like in her case, yes, that, that's an emergency. They shouldn't be asking yes. for for money and stuff like that. Um, is there anything uh, I haven't asked you that you would like to share with the community? Whether it's African diaspora, Zambian diaspora? Oh, I think um, uh, from the uh, from the to join us, uh, so far we've got 72 countries that are with us. We want many other countries to join us because for us to make an impact towards government, we need a solid univ- 
solid unified voice that can represent all spheres of the Zambian community in the world. For example, now um, we acquired uh, some medical equipment with 500,000 euros, which just arrived today in Zambia. <laughs> yes, that's a huge, huge achievement for us. Um, Good job. Yeah, the yeah the equipment was given to us acquired by the Salvation Army uh, through our circles. Uh, the only money which we had to pay was the fees, which was to transport the equipment from Sweden up to Zambia. Then I'm very happy to announce also that the government has has also helped us to clear those goods, equipment, are duty-free uh, through foreign affairs, uh, a minister of health, and, um, and finance. So they came on board, they did the paperwork for us, and today the truck arrived in Osaka, which is a very huge achievement. And... Um, yeah, so now we just need to do some uh, some uh, adjustments for us to fly to Lusaka to officially hand over the equipment to the government. Uh, we want to have a decent a decent handover, which will be a luncheon, but a lot of um, the people stakeholders to come through from the presidency to the ministries to health. So we want them to come, which I know you'll be in Zambia that time, which you'll be the master of ceremonies. Oh. <laughs> I'll so, be yeah. there before, come. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So that yeah, we can give officially to government. And you remember we had the... Zambia Diaspora Conference in Livingston. Yeah. Uh, yes. And in my speech, when I was addressing the people there and the president was there, I said it that the Zambia Diaspora Organization has acquired equipment with 500,000 from Sweden. So it was a talk show. It has happened. Yes. And yeah, we have achieved. So I, I think uh, from the diaspora point of view, we are very. Uh, excited, encouraged that at least we have done something. You know, there's a dialysis machine there which people are fighting where it's going. Some are saying it's going to Chilipata, some Kitway, some Livingstone. But for us, we just want to hand over. Then the fight will be will be there. Yeah, but at least there's serious equipment that yeah. is needed to, yeah, to help the people of Zambia. So from the diaspora, we say at least we have achieved something. Yeah. Oh, no, that's beautiful. Uh, yes. You know, wh while you were talking, I'm thinking from the point you graduated high school and then you become a DJ and <laughs> you're going to Seventh-day Adventist school and you end up now in this role. It's like, I don't know how, how life even like transports us. Like from the point where you are making people dance 
that is your leadership that started from there. And yes. then now, because you, you have to, in order to be a DJ, you're activating people's, you know, you're impacting people in a way you're making them happy and you've always been yes. impacting people. And it's just touching with how you've been impacting people's lives. And even now with even the machines, this is part of your legacy of what you've been able to accomplish through your leadership. Even if you, they don't vote you through to go another term, I think you should be very proud of your work. You should be very proud. Yes, yeah, no, this is a democracy. And when it's a democracy, you need to go through elections. If people want you, they vote you. If they don't want you, they take you out. When they take you out, you accept and move on. Then you become the advisor for the new executive that comes through. So you can play a big role as on the advisory board where you advise them, show them the vision, the achievements, you know, yeah. because, because yeah, you've been there before. So it's part of life, it's part of democracy, so we need to go through that process. Yeah. I, I listen, I, I, I think you've achieved a lot uh, in your lifetime and uh, I think you've been impacting people from the point you were young and to this level where you are now and even on a bigger scale you're impacting the whole world for all of us immigrants around the world whether it's the african diaspora you are still contributing and to us Zambians, the diaspora itself you're still contributing so i salute you and i'm so grateful to have leaders like you thank you thank you oh thank you um any last words that you would like to leave us and thank you for the invite i'll be there i'll make sure i'll show up <laughs> that's right i know for me first of all just to say thank you for from your channel concrete patches have you founded your concrete pastures that's very good uh thank you very much uh, for inviting me to be part of your guest speaker today and um, yes we have been postponing it because as you know sometimes you're a busy busy, man busy. I know you're so, a busy yeah, man so, I, I've never been president so I don't know what that feels yes like. it's um, it's a lot of work just an association president of local and for the rest of the world it's something that even at work they ask me you know they call this place at work a Zambia house because they, they have now even stopped asking me oh, who are those guys why did they come they, you know what they have now stopped because firstly I perform at work I, I make sure I give 100% a month yeah. you know yeah. yes I achieve and I get awards on, on the separate time when I'm busy working you see a person walking in and saying no Mr. President I don't have rent outside today. So, so it's, it's something which is, um, first of all, you need to have a heart. You know? Mm -hmm. It's easy to run for these positions. Okay? It's easy to run for President SG, but the first a qualification for you to be a leader. First qualification 
you need to be a likable person. A person, you know, at, uh, before degrees, what, what, you need to be a likable person and an approachable person before any qualification. Yeah. Second one, you need to have a heart, a heart of humanity. There, you receive good news. Within 10 minutes, you receive bad news. Mm-hmm. So, you need to adjust accordingly. Empathy, mm-hmm. sympathize, mm-hmm. and yes. Then, you need to adjust yourself to any level. Today, I can talk to the president on that high level. I can talk about geopolitics, microeconomics. I can I can talk the, on that yeah. level with the president. Yeah. Okay. But if I come out from his office, I'm driving out in Mutendere or um, in woodlands there and everything. You bring yourself down. Okay. You talk about things with the community there. You know, have you eaten today? What are you doing? So why are you drinking like this? It's 12 o'clock today. Are you in depression? What do you need? You see, so as a leader, you are just, you know, I I can give you an example. Uh, Central Johannesburg there, uh, where there are buses like Shalom, um, Majando. Okay. There are a lot of Zambians there. You know, the boys who carry, you know, they are ready trucks for Zambians, people. So, sometimes I go there. Mm. I go there. In a month, I go there maybe once. Okay? If I reach the, hey, president, oh, president, oh, president, oh, president, but I know, you know? Then I go there, I say, okay, guys, let's buy pap. Shima, let's buy Shima fish and everything. We sit down with them. I eat with them. You know, I mean, so... It's that engagement you need to be as a leader. You need to put yourself high when it's acceptable, bring yourself down to the grassroots and see with them what is happening on the ground. Yeah. And that's the success story because if I stand for elections now as a Zambia Association president, I'll win because I know that I engage with people, I've sat with them, dined with them, I've, I've whipped, mourned with them. I've everything. I know, I know, I know all the spheres. I know if I go to my king today, I know the problem there. And I relate with them. Mm. You know? So that's... It's not... Um, I think leadership is not something you force. It's something that is given to you. Yes. Yes. You cannot force leadership on people. It's something that is given. And it, 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 yeah, it comes from God. It's yes, a gift. It is. Yes. It comes from God. And yeah, it's a gift. And that gift is not an easy gift for anyone to get. A lot of sacrifice, oh. a, a lot of humility, a lot of understanding, a lot of heart for humanity, a lot of empathy, and also putting yourself in that picture that what, what this person is going through now 
if it's me how can i live you know so that's very important what are the challenges you face as a, as a leader because i can relate to you with everything uh when it comes to leadership and um being we we call it adjusting knowing your audience that's what i call we call it knowing your audience so you know your audience um what are the challenges as a leader like even someone who gets elected today let's say somebody comes on what are the challenges that they're going to be facing if they walk in today first uh, thing is um sacrifice you know when you're a leader don't think that when you come in the leadership position everything is free <clears throat> no you know there are sometimes me I visit branches in Kauteng, Pretoria, the South, Deep Sloot, mm-hmm. Deep Valley. I go there using my car and my own fuel because mm-hmm. I cannot every time go and ask the treasurer asking for money. You know what? Association will be bankrupt. It will be president, president fuel, president agomeration. It will be too much. So, if you want to take a leadership position, just know behind your at the back of your mind that number one this position is about sacrifice it's not about status I'm the president so what it's about the status yeah. I mean it's about sacrifice which you are going to you get so that's challenge number one number two people will not understand if you say no I received a call from Zambia a lady a mother to a son who has been in jail for 3 months without trial okay so i asked the mother okay but what is it no 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 there is this crime which he they said he committed yeah <laughs> okay they said but it's not him okay i understand that's the voice of the mother mm mm-hmm. Yeah, the mother is grieving. So, she'll be biased. You see, so today what I told I said, "Mom, okay, I've got you." But I don't think that the authorities can keep someone for 3 months without any case. But what I'll do tomorrow, I'm going to talk to a lawyer which I've already talked to the lawyer. She's going to drive there. She's going to check with the arresting officer what really happened mm. so when the lawyer comes back to me that will be the information of all you see so the mother now will be thinking ah that president now he said no already so you said don't but, but no but also me I'm trying to protect myself I won't go there and start blasting people making noise no I need to get the truth first okay if I get the truth then I'll call tomorrow I say Okay, yes your son never did anything and the lawyer has gone through now to apply in the court for a bail or a release or whatever or your son was involved. And this is a case and there's evidence. So he's going through the court processes. So it's a huge challenge if you say no because people will always want you to say what they want to hear. But 
sometimes as a leader come up in the office if you can do something yes i see what advice would you give to um anybody who looking to come to south africa for people that who come to south africa uh, the first thing which i said in the beginning is yeah they have to change you know their mindset the sense of entitlement the sense of comfort should be brushed aside you know when you come from zambia you're coming from your family you're coming from your friends and relatives that sake of you but when you come here you need to change your mindset from entitlement to self reliance i'm smiling <laughs> i'm smiling and, because it's the same it's almost the same response we give to people that are looking to come here <laughs> sure that you are you know what you need to work hard because in South Africa just to get a rental a house for rental first of all bank statements for 3 months and you just come from Zambia you're not working bank statements for 3 months yes hey any recommendation letter to say that i recommend this 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 one to stay in the house then you pay a deposit which is equivalent to the to what to the, to the rental amount so when you're coming to south africa you need to make sure you know all these things two two to acquire a permit it's very difficult so you need to also change your mindset that i'm going to fight what what is a permit a permit like permanent resident what is that just a work permit Oh, wait a minute. Got it. Yes. Yeah, it's so difficult. So So when you come to South Africa, you need to come there as a soldier. You, you need to come there here to fight. You, you, you need to come here to work hard, to be self-reliant. Mm. You know, it's not so easy. Yes. Those days when we were coming, it was easy and everything, but now because they are squeezing everything, So make sure when you come here you're going to sustain yourself for at least 3 months. You will try and sustain yourself for 3 months. You find a place or maybe squat with your relative, your brother, your cousin, you stay with the people and make sure that within 3 months you run up and down and get a job and don't choose jobs. If a job opportunity comes, get it. Mm-hmm. Still okay. You know what? For me, I was a degree holder. You know what? But I came in as a cadet. Yeah. Yeah. Fend and go photocopy a paper. I run and photocopy. I come back. Oh, do my file. I run. Go put fuel. I run. Don't choose. The job you get is a stepping stone to higher things that will come. Because today you you get a job as a cleaner. Tomorrow they will say, Ah, this cleaner is doing well. Be a teacher. Ah, from a teacher, be a headmaster. So. Don't choose a job. Come and sacrifice mm-hmm. and you should always always be ready that I'm going to push and it, it won't be easy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I, th- I, I think those are good pointers. And um, I'll, I have to add to that as to say, I think it's everywhere you travel to in the world, because I've spoken to almost everybody in, um, in London, uh, in the UK, Australia now. Um, get, we're getting a lot of guests from Australia, and it's almost a similar story. I think adjusting your mindset and having the hunger to uh, work hard. Well said. I want to thank you, sir. I know it's evening there, and I've kept you longer than um, I'm supposed to. <laughs> uh, I'm so grateful for making for you making time for us and inspiring us through your story. Um, thank you for all the work you're doing, and uh, hopefully, I see you and the whole community in Zambia soon. For me, uh, I'd like to say thank you very much as well. Uh, thank you very much for hosting me. It, um, I think this is a very good channel. Um, I think uh, I'll also recommend few people that have shown impact uh, to the diaspora community around the world. Um, I think I recommend few people because back in time, uh, from where I started and refreshing even when I was talking, I was saying, wow, okay, is it me now? <laughs> yeah, from that generation to generation to now, which I think it's um, it's so important to celebrate a life while they still live and uh, and uh, also share the experience here to the rest of the world. I think uh, I appreciate uh, that gesture. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for getting it. That's the purpose of it. It's truly that, that we get to celebrate each other and uh, just inspire each other along the way while we tell our stories. It's, that's the purpose of it. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you. Have a good Bye. evening. <laughs> that's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming. Born and raised